coming into hunkering down with Peter Schorsch is State Senator Jeff Brandis. Uh, he is a um, he is a longtime friend. Our children go to the same school. We're Northeast St. Pete folks. Um, this podcast could probably we could just live cast for the next eight hours if we wanted to, and we would talk about everything from education to um, CES to electronics to what have you. Um, we'll try and keep it to 15 minutes or we'll break this one up. How are you, Senator? I'm doing great. Doing great. Glad to be with you. Yeah, you are in your office right now. Um, I appreciate you were one of the, I told you, or I wrote about it and I kind of mentioned it. I've got people buzzing us for help with, uh, unemployment application stuff. And so I appreciate you like immediately like saying, Hey, just send them our way. And we will try and get them in the system. And I've been, gosh, I've been doing that. I I get forty of those a day yeah. uh, right now. I can't even imagine what it's like if you're actually a state senator or whatever. Well, I mean, we get it from all sources. We get it from Twitter. We get it from Facebook. We get it from phone calls. We get it from emails. It's so it's just trying to 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 funnel it all in. And my staff full time, even on the weekends, is working through helping people just answering their questions and, and trying to try trying to source where, where the right person they need to talk to is. Um, there's, there's a lot I want to cover, but you're, I want to start with you're uh, you've got a great economic mind. You know, I, I remember from the first days we started talking, um, you know, you were talking to me about the bond market. I just actually uh, asked you for what stocks to maybe put a little money that I had in, um, what do you see out there? Um, obviously, it's a horror show, but what does it look like in two or three months? Yeah, so it's fairly, I mean, as you can see, you can shut down the market pretty easily. Restarting this thing, getting new orders in, everything else is going to take a lot longer. It's going to take time to just dig out of this this hole that we're in. And I think that's that's, you know... I would imagine that the federal loan funds that have been out there, I read an article today that said 70% of businesses, small businesses had already applied for those funds. So those funds that the, the three, almost $250 billion will be exhausted here. Probably the end of next week is for all of those funds will be used up or have been allocated. And so now all of a sudden we're in a place where we're waiting for another federal, federal act uh, and and there's still a lot of uncertainty, and I think it's going to be slow going getting getting out of this. And I don't think you're going to see a lot of these individuals being rehired very quickly. Uh, and so, uh, you know, it's going to take, uh, you know, three to six months for us to get back to feeling any type of really normal business uh, as usual. Um, and even then, I think it'll be down 20, 30 percent from where it was in February. I think about like. And this is so small, but like the Disney cruising that we, that Michelle and I love, like, how am I going to get on a Disney cruise in the next six months? Like with the situation where it is on a health side. Now, Disney, I think today just said they are not going to, or all the cruise lines are shut down for another hundred days. And I only bring that up because I think 10% of tourists come to Florida to go to the cruises. And it's like, that's gone. That's just, that's just not there no matter what you do and how much stimulus money you put in, but right. that's gone. Well, in the spinoff of all the hotel nights that come in, all the airport travel that goes through, all the food and, and beverages that are sold to cruise ships, 
I mean, the ripple effects of just that one little that that one industry, not that it's little, but one industry will play out uh, across the market. So when you add that to what's going on at Disney and Universal, when you add that to what's going on the beaches, I mean, I think you see, you know, when when, when are we going to go back to seeing 80 percent occupancy at hotels? Like what in what month do we again see 80 percent occupancy at hotels? It might be December, January. And that's if, and I hate to say this, but it's that's if there isn't a second wave or this thing doesn't come back oh, yeah, around. There's gonna, there's gonna be there's gonna be another. I mean, we all talk about like where's the peak? Well, once you open back up, there's gonna be a secondary spike in in infections. It's just gonna happen. But we're gonna you're, you're, so we're gonna have to open businesses, recognizing that there's going to be a secondary spike of infections as people kind of re- relax on social distancing. But I think these are conversations that the governor's got to start having now and, the you know, and really bringing his economics team in place and saying, all right, what can we do? Can we, for example, can we allow outside seating at restaurants? How do we how do we kind of slowly begin to move back into this? And what's the right time frame for that? I think probably May 1st right now seems to be a natural kind of time frame for us to begin to have those conversations. Um, but I think he's got to begin to work with work with business community today. I think um, I think we're all going to become construction workers, too. I mean, I just feel like the one thing we could do is work outside infrastructure, that kind of thing, home building, um, affordable home building, um, you know, road building and all that stuff. I would. I And that's something government can do. I mean, and he's done it already with, um, you know, advancing some of the projects. Um, but I would imagine that would be one area where we could just, yeah. you know put all the money into, you know, whatever projects on the books, let's just bond out, borrow, whatever we can do to put people uh, to work there. I think that's one of the things that, that really hasn't been talked about yet is the financial strain that other states are in, not so much Florida, but if you're in Illinois and this hits, you're already essentially a bankrupt state. New York, similar to, to, to Illinois, Connecticut. I mean, these states are financially stressed and now all of a sudden you've added this to that. Um, and and it's just overwhelming. So I think Florida, again, will be the net beneficiary of those states because those states are going to implement higher taxes. I don't think Florida is going to do that. I think we're mm. going to tighten our belt. But I think those individuals who are seeing in, in high tax states are going to continue to move to Florida. Uh, you know, we are we, we are ultimately where people want to end up. And so I think to your point, the construction trades, the real estate market in Florida will become will will bounce back rather robustly. Uh, and, and that's where I think, you know, to, to your point earlier, I think you're going to see a lot of investment in the construction in, in the construction space because people are going to be moving out of high tech states where the taxes are consistently getting higher. I think also and this is I hate that I keep saying I hate to say this, but this is not this is not the last pandemic we're going to have um, because of the way I mean, if you if you read enough about it, if you look at the way our interaction with nature and so forth, that these things are going to continue to create themselves. I see people moving out of those. Like if you're in New York City and you have a chance to move to the Southwest or the West or someplace with space, Florida, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, you know, you can go 50 miles outside of Tampa Bay and there's nobody around there. Um, I think you're going to see this incredible migratory uh, movement or that, of course, uh, this you know, people just leaving some of these big cities because I don't know. I, I feel like people yeah. aren't going to think that they're as safe to live in right now. 
you have millions of people working from home. And frankly, they're, what their employers are finding out is they're working. Right. And so if those people can move to a low tax state, still work from home, be roughly in the same time zone, they're going to do that. And, and so I, I think the, the ripple effects of this will be profound over the next few years as the transition to work from home continues and people then say, all right, well, what else can I do to generate more, 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 uh, more after tax kind of uh, dollars? And they're going to be they're going to move to low tax states like Florida where they can still work for their existing employer. But now you're an investor. I mean, this is also a hell of a time to be an investor. I mean, S&P uh, had its best week since 74. I know the market, like people keep complaining that the market is doing well while people are going unemployed. And it's like, no, the market is literally created so that capital can come together and reallocate itself to where there are emerging markets and where there are new opportunities. To me, it seems like, I mean, I keep saying this to people, there are so many Bobby Axelrods just waiting to happen out there because there's so many investment opportunities in a lot of ways. Whatever, I know businesses are dying right now, but there are going to be so many technologies that are created out of this over the next you know, coming, coming years. Am I right? Is this just a, I mean, yeah, if you have some cash kind of thing, is this a, a time to get into the market, that kind of thing? I think it just depends. It really does. I think, I think the... That's okay. The dogs, I've told everybody the this podcast is hunkering down. This is never, it's not going to be perfect. You know, it's not going to be like the studio. You're going to hear dogs and babies coming in and all sorts of stuff. Well, I think, I think it really just depends on you where, where you are in your, you know, a, as an investor. I think this is a very different scenario for those in their seventies and eighties right now than it is for those in their 30s and 40s. Mm. If, for those in their 30s and 40s, frankly, we want to buy when the market's low, and then we want it when it's in our 60s and 70s, we want the market to be high. So for us in our 30s and 40s, this is a great opportunity, I think, to, to begin to enter the market, uh, potentially. For those in their 60s and 70s, I think it's a very different time for them because had they been over-allocated into stocks, then then and they've seen that the market come down significantly, I mean, they've lost potentially 15, 20% of their, of their life savings. And that is difficult to replace in your 70s and 80s. So it really just depends on where people are at in their time horizon, you know, where they are in their life. For, for, for us, uh, being in our 40s, this is a really interesting time because it allows us to, to potentially buy at a discount. Um, what is it going to look like politically? I mean, I think it's going to be... I think it's going to be vicious. Uh, I'm, I'm starting this kind of line that this pandemic is not going to be pandemic-y enough, that we're going to end up losing about sixty to 75,000 people, which is a horrible situation, but that that is, that is going to have the people on the right say that we should not have closed the economy, and it's going to have people on the left say, you know, social distancing worked, and that was why we were able to bring down the death toll um, and it is just going to exacerbate, I think, our political situation. Yeah, I think oh. if you look local, let's, let's just take locally what's going on here, right? If you, we've had Pinellas and Hillsborough shut down weeks ahead of the governor. I think the, the the governor's choice was how do we, you know, once once you shut down, then you have <clears throat> much more massive, much more massive unemployment, and every week that somebody can continue to get a paycheck, 
that's a week where we don't have phone calls coming in saying I've run out of cash. Okay. And so I think, I think the, uh, the interesting dynamic and what you're going to see play out here is if our numbers are lo much lower than projections, then the governor did the right thing in keeping the economy open as long as possible, potentially, uh, you know, and, and then, and, and so I think there's going to be this interesting dynamic, it, you know, it's always just simple to say, shut everything down. And, and uh, as a political, as somebody who's in politics to say, shut everything down and, not think about the consequences down the road because what's going on in my office right now is, you know, I've got people calling the office saying I've run out of cash. What do I do? Right. Where's the, where's the food bank? Right. And so I think the, the, the challenge is shutting down early. You're not, you know, you, you don't get the political ramifications for that until where we are right now, which is a month into this. I think I, I see that so much on social media, um, folks that are, it's not that they wanted the herd immunity uh, way of doing things, but they, you know, they're just like, hey, I'm a realtor and you just killed my business now for right. the next three months. And I don't know that they're, I don't know that there's a good answer to that. Um, I, again, I just see it becoming more vicious. I see it on the, I, I see this not resolving itself like, and I say this is unfortunate, but if it had been worse or if it is worse, it would have solved itself in that direction. Or if it had been not as devastating, let's say maybe 15 or 20,000 people, it would, it would solve itself in that direction. I think this is, like I said, it's not pandemic-y enough. Um, all right, so I asked a couple of people, the same uh, lineup of questions, and this is gonna be interesting for you because you were a state lawmaker and it was so interesting in Tallahassee. And I think some of the, you guys got a lot done at the end and it kind of got overlooked because, you know, you guys are clearing out the house chamber because of a Corona scare. Um, when did coronavirus get real for you? It was probably two weeks before the end of session. Okay. When, I mean, I, we had obviously heard about it and everything else, but where, where things really began to take a turn was about two weeks before the end of session. So probably end of February. Okay. And then do you remember your last normal day? And I know you don't have many normal days uh, because the last normal day would have been something inside of session. But yeah. what was your last normal day? It would probably have been uh, right around that time, probably towards the third week of uh, the, thir the third week of February. How do you guys how do you think you guys did this session? I mean, I don't, I, I'm not going into a whole session podcast, but how do you uh, how do you think you did? Well, on certain fronts, I think we did fine on others. You know, I, I didn't have a great policy session, but that's <clears throat> but but because I'm working on really hard issues. I mean, it's not it's not that <clears throat> most of my most of my issues at this point are are, you know, really trying to get really challenging policy issues across the finish line. Uh, and so, you know, those generally take a couple of years. And so, we're you know, on that front, you know, I had the most the best session I'd ever had last year. Um, and this year I had probably more of a, a, a middle of the road session as far as getting policy stuff through policy ideas through on the budget, though. I think we're, we're, you know, depending on what happens with this budget, I think we'll have one of the more successful sessions locally and definitely for my area of budget uh, uh, looking at corrections and, and the overall justice system. I think Florida did 
had the best session we've ever had on the budget side, uh, if it all holds. I don't think um, I don't think you can complain about losing the policy battles that you lost because it wasn't you didn't get screwed. Like at least I mean, unless no. you're going to tell me something. I mean, I think you no, just I, lost I on the merits right now a lack of education, maybe or awareness uh, oh, by some members. Yeah, the issues I'm working on are are the hardest issues in Tallahassee. I mean, <coughs> criminal justice reform, prison reform, the by far the hardest issue to work on on a policy front. Insurance and and kind of insurance reform and trying to reduce the cost of of insurance for Floridians is another incredibly challenging area of public policy to work through and work on. Those were kind of our two main areas of that we we didn't have some success on this year. But I think going into the next couple of years, we've laid the foundation for the conversation. And frankly, one of the things that, that hasn't been talked about enough in, in the state of Florida is the rising cost of homeowners policies. And what are we what is this legislature going to do to begin to bring those costs down for Floridians? That's, uh, I think, an area where, where you're going to see us really begin to have some success in the next two years. I um I, I keep thinking about that insurance issue because that's not going away just because. No, nope. I mean, coronavirus or, or not, those property insurance issues have not gone away since. It gets uh, worse. Yeah. It gets worse because, you know, we're, Florida is so dependent on reinsurance and a, a one, you know, and reinsurance is largely dependent upon investors. And as investors are strained and investors are choosing to allocate dollars, they're going to potentially allocate less to reinsurance which means prices will potentially go up. We know that prices in Florida are going to go up 20 to 40%. And we know when prices go up 20, 40% in the reinsurance market, about half of that is passed on to the underlying insurers, uh, uh, insured. So I'm, I'm really concerned about what's going on in the, in the property insurance market in Florida. I have been sounding the alarm for, for the last six months on that issue. And, um, and this session was incredibly disappointing on that front. I think it's one of the areas where Florida has got to fix it because, you you know, we can be a low tax state, but we are a really, really high insurance state. And that's just for many people, a, a backdoor tax, if you will, for them that, you know, whether it goes to the government or whether it goes to some private insurance company, it's money coming out of their pocket. And so it's an area we need to be addressing. And frankly, we're, we're frankly, there just needs to be a lot more leadership uh, uh, effort put into. Um. I'm going to I'm looking at now my clock here. I'm at about 18 minutes. Uh, these are supposed to be bite sized um, uh, podcasts. Are you looking at that? By the way, are you, I, we are not we haven't even started talking about technology. There's so many interesting things happening in that front. Um, a like I just read an article today about how um, Manufacturing the heart the, of the of all the stuff that we use with our computer, like video cameras, we thought that market was dead, and now go try and find a video camera anywhere in a, in a store. Um, Airbnb scrambling to reinvent itself, where it's um, it's doing online experiences. So, like, if you want somebody to play the violin for you right now, you can do that through Airbnb, and it's so. I mean, and they've got a whole concept uh of that going on and so we didn't get to talk too much about technology but i will let you do you have a couple of recommendations things that maybe you're watching or you're um reading or apps that you're playing with or anything like that yeah you wanna... so I, 
you know, a couple of things. If, if you're interested in the future of transportation technology. And who isn't? Yeah, who is it, right? <laughs> so, so I have some friends who started, who have a podcast called the Atonicast. Um, they, they are, uh, they're talking to the experts around the country and frankly around the world on the future of transportation and technology. You know, one of the big questions is, you know, what, what happens to Uber and Lyft after this? Are you going to want to get into an Uber and Lyft with some stranger now that you don't know how, if they've been infected or not, or what, what, what their status is. So, I mean, I think that's, a really interesting conversation. And, and frankly, um, that's going to play out throughout the transportation space. What's going on in the world of trucking? I mean, you know, six months ago, a year ago, we were kind of in a trucking recession um, because uh, for, for a number of reasons. But now the exact opposite. We are, we, we are, you know, we would put every trucker we could find on the road today to get more toilet paper to, to grocery stores if we could. So I, I, that, that market has completely shifted. But then the whole conversation is, you know, I, I do a lot of work in the, the the self-driving space. You know, how do we clean vehicles in the future? Um, so, you know, as people get out and if we move into a robo-taxi world, the whole pandemic is, has definitely got people thinking about the future of, of transportation and and, and, uh, and and where this all goes. And so, you know, whether that be public transit or private transit or freight and logistics, all of these things, discussions have been impacted by uh, that by this pandemic. I, I, and one, another area that you've been outspoken on medical uh, marijuana and the cannabis uh, sector. That whole that whole debate has been tabled, but not. Maybe people are saying, "Well, they kind of are saying like, hey, listen, we can't stop this, and we've got to deal with some other stuff. Just go ahead and do what you need to do.'" And um, you know, and get that moving. And so there's, there's just so yeah, many well, areas right now. I think, I think what you're going to see coming out of this is a lot more discussion about telemedicine um, and, and making sure that telemedicine is being treated just like a normal doctor's visit, especially for doctor's uh, compensation. I think that's a big issue that, that frankly, we, that I've been working on right now in the last 48 hours with ACA and, and Office of Insurance Regulation and some of our local hospitals. So that's a big issue that, that that's going to come out of this. Um, I think, you know, on the technology front, the, the, the more we can do to create, you know, to, to allow for telemedicine, to allow people to work at home, those, those things are, I think, what you're going to see as ripples of, of this pandemic. All right, my friend, we appreciate you coming on. Um, it looks like, uh, you know, you got to get back to work at the office. Um, Thank you for everything you're doing. Hopefully, we'll get to you. Uh, we'll get to see you. I just want to let you know that um, the Easter Bunny might be stopping by Shore Acres tomorrow if you need to do a little drive by. Great, we'll that. Do it. So, all right, man. I'll talk to you Thanks. later. Talk to you soon. Bye bye.